Welcome to Gin and Gentlemen, with me, Eleanor Hoxted, bringing the gin. And accompanied by a dreamliner full of gentlemen, Catherine Curzon. And why have you brought a dreamliner full of gentlemen, Catherine? I have brought a dreamliner full of gentlemen, which sounds quite rude, doesn't it? But if you don't know what a dreamliner is, it's a jumbo jet. It's a Boeing 787. And I have brought a dreamliner full of gentlemen along with me today because we are going to be talking about two new releases, one of which features a dashing pilot. Yes, uh, we have had quite a few releases out in the past few months. So, um, mm. yeah, so today we're going to be talking to you about um, The Captain mm. and the Best Man, yep. which came out in ooh, uh, January. January, <laughs> yeah. And The Captain and the Prime Minister, which came out in. Oh, ah, March. No, that not January. Yes. And we will say that we've we've had a bit of a delay in our podcasting for obvious reasons. Yes. Um, but other than mentioning that, this is a virus-free zone. It is. We will not be discussing, so fear not. No, indeed not. Indeed We're just not. talking about gin and gentlemen. Yes. Uh, because the Captain the Best Man is one of our most escapist reads, I would think. It's it mainly is. set on a island um it's some of it's set on aeroplanes um <laughs> so, and they're not cargo planes um yeah so yeah so it's it's a lovely escapist read it is um and the inspiration came about because some as you may know eleanor certainly knows that i am a plane spotter indeed um but i'm not a plane spotter although i'm not putting them down because a lot of my very good friends are plane spotters who record reg numbers and you know i just like to take photos of planes mm-hmm. Very and I spend ones. oh thank you for kind <laughs> much better since I got a decent camera. Um, I spend quite a lot of my time, or I did, <laughs> when we were allowed to do such things, sitting at the end of runways, taking photographs of planes, and sitting in various parts of the Yorkshire Wilds with a camera with a vast lens, just pointed up at the sky, <laughs> taking photographs of those planes as well. Yes. And that's kind of where the um the genesis or the embryo for this story came from isn't it i, I think, think so because you you we were skyping once and Catherine had her airband radio and she was going <laughs> oh listen listen to these captains oh and they've all got very sort of like oh, just flying over scotland about to go out over the atlantic or well obviously they weren't saying i that. think <laughs> you make it it sounds very saucy saying that but i think we were actually in quite an affectionate way laughing at them because it was the one that we had. Do you remember? There was one pilot. I went up to the airport at 6am oh, yes. to watch um, the first rush of takeoffs of the day in London, which is like airport, airport rush hour. Um, so you get lots and lots of so there's hardly anyone there and you get lots of really nice photos. And it was summer. And I made sure I got up at 4am. So I was already and I went off. And there was one poor guy. So it's the first flight of his day and he's on short haul. So he's going to Europe. He'll probably bam, there and back, several flights in one day. Mm. And he got sent out from his stand to the apron, you know, ready to take off. I think it was like five times. (laughs) (laughs) And they kept sending him back and saying, oh, you know, there's a problem with this and a problem with that. And then there was somebody got, um, it it all started because they were late because somebody had an emergency and thought they had to, like a really, I don't know what it was, but a serious emergency would mean they would have to get off the plane, this one particular person. But then it turned out it was a false alarm and all this. So, and he maintained sort of like a sort of grimly amused tone in his communications throughout. But you know, you can tell someone's getting more and more and more peeved. 
And yes. the last time when they said, you know, that's it, now you can go, he said, uh, can I really? Because if not, I'll just sit here and have another cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> and then they let him go. They did. But yes, for those of you that don't know, this is not going to be a podcast about plane spotting. But airband radio is basically you can you tune it in and you get all your frequencies for various airports and things and you can listen to the tower and you can listen to the planes coming in and the planes going out and you can even listen to the man who lifts up the barrier at the car park if you want. I was amused that there's a website called Flight Radar Twenty Four. Everybody knows it if you looked at it during the unpronounceable volcanic eruption that happened in Iceland mm. 10 years ago this month and what I was quite amused by that is that as well as you could being able to see all the planes on it that have got transponders if like airport vehicles have them as well they show up including lawnmowers yep they do so you can see what's going on um, and it's that. I mean for me it comes up like my fascination with it my dad used to build jet planes mm-hmm. Um, in the 1970s, he worked in um, Nevada building them, mm-hmm. and he worked for Lockheed. Ooh. So he had lots of stories, and I think it sort of comes out that because when I was a kid, we used to get like slept to air shows all the time. <laughs> you know, like one my earliest mem, one of my very earliest memories, which I may have talked about on here actually, was seeing Concorde do a display flight. Oh yes. Yes. Um, and I think I've talked about it on here, but just if people haven't heard that, that I was very small. I think it was like six. And they dipped the nose to the crowd before she took off. So we saw her land and then they, you know, do photo ops on the runway. Um, And then she dipped her nose and they took off again. And I I remember it so vividly. And I feel like that was a defining moment in the creation of Catherine. (laughs) Did, Did he have a fine forearm as well, Catherine? Well, do you know, in my head, I had a certain image of like, I'm sure this pilot would have been dashing. Oh, and yes. it's no shade to the pilot at all because, you know, it, it's not a beauty contest. No. But having since been able through the magical internet to find out who was flying that day, a highly decorated and highly respected Concorde pilot. Wow. But not how I had remembered him looking. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, people will know what I mean by this, and I don't mean any offence, but you know when you go, I've got this impression of this like, dashing older man. I said, oh, no, he looks like someone's dad. Because he probably was, is. <laughs> probably is someone's dad. Yeah. Probably someone's granddad now. Um, but yes, um, and from that, because we know, you know, I think it's quite well known that quite a lot of people like a pilot. It's not unusual. Mm. No, it's not. Um, and that, you know, we're joking about it, but I really, I like the planes first and foremost. <laughs> but we came up with this idea, did we not, for mm. wouldn't it be fun to just do a getaway holiday romance, mm. um, but it starts literally at the airport basically in the airport cafeteria yes so the story starts with josh who is he's a he doesn't doesn't have a particularly glamorous uh lifestyle or job working as an hr manager in basingstoke (laughs) he's a sensible young man he's a sensible young man basingstoke most people know basingstoke because the trains have to reverse out of the station from anyone listening that's from basingstoke it's no shade basingstoke's a beautiful place yes so yes, it, don't at us, don't write in. Yes, Josh is Josh is a is a, a happy chap. He's a straightforward, sensible sort of chap, um, and he's going off to um, the island of Saint Sebastian, uh, which is in the Caribbean, and it's just off Guadeloupe, I think. It is uh, just off Guadeloupe. I mean, it's not really because we invented it, but we yes. based it on existing islands. And he's going to be best man at his best friend's wedding. 
And he's decided, because he's never travelled very far before, that he's going to go a day early and just kind of chill, do a bit of exploring on the island himself. So he's pottering about. He's a little bit, as you would be, a little bit wondering about how he's going to cope with a nine-hour flight and all of that. But he's, he's going to, you know, he's giving it his go. And in the cafe, he decides to get himself a very nice cinnamon bun for his breakfast. I, I must admit, it's, I based the cinnamon bun. The cinnamon bun in my head as I wrote that is one that I bought from a farmer's market <laughs> not long before, and it was very nice. Um, and just as he buys it, a voice in the queue behind him uh, is heard. It is, and there is um, Captain Guy, Captain Guy Collingwood, who is a, a little bit older, just a little bit. Um, and he's celebrating his birthday, so he's come to get himself a nice cake, celebrate his birthday, and also breaking breaking a rule that he's not... Well, then, in reality, mm-hmm. um, air crew aren't allowed to buy things from the public vendors in some airports and by some airlines, back fans. Um, they have to use their own um, <laughs> air, their own crew stuff. But anyway, um, Captain Guy does what he wants because <laughs> he's Captain Guy. So he wants a bun, he's going to get a bun. Um, and basically he wants the same cake, but Guy, Josh has bought the last one. So Captain Guy, who's good at this sort of thing, uses that as an excuse to swoop in and essentially chat up Josh. <laughs> and... Sad, um, he gave them his number and they arranged to go out. They're going to get in touch and go out for dinner because what they don't know is that Captain Guy is flying the plane to Guadeloupe. Well, Guy knows that, but he doesn't know Josh is going to be on it. Um, so they arranged to get in touch after the holiday, but calamity due to a hilarious mix-up, the number gets lost. Yes. But don't I worry, st- because all hope doesn't get lost. Yes, because a small child set free by its parent, running free and wild through the cafe... it all away... Stop giving it all away. (laughs) Um, So then the story moves to, um, eventually moves to San Sebastian after Josh gets uh, an upgrade to first class, courtesy Mm -hmm. of Captain Guy. And then our couple essentially get to know each other while Josh waits for the wedding. Indeed. The wedding party to arrive. So there's long golden beaches palms swaying in the breeze yeah lovely little hotel rooms that are basically like little huts on stilts on the edge of the beach yeah and, and you can dive off your balcony it's a very saucy book i will say that it's yes. a very saucy book but it's the sort of book that we hope um well you could have taken it and read it on your holiday beach but <laughs> you can equally read it in in your garden <laughs> that's as far as we're going yeah. um or you know it's just it's it's hard to say too much without giving too much of the story away mm. but it, i think it's a story that will resonate with a lot of people regardless you know of your gender regardless of whether you're an hr manager or an airline pilot yeah. because essentially it, it's a story about sort of like putting right regrets from the past and maybe where mm. things haven't gone right and um mm. that for someone like guy <clears throat> who was previously raf who comes from a military family at a time when it was very difficult to come out who actually has been married and had many years ago a very very messy divorce that led to the fracture of his family but i should say don't need don't worry no trigger warnings here because things end happily in all sorts of ways so there is obviously the ha- obvious happy ending because it's occurs in harkstead of course um but there are other sorts of happy ending kind of like more domestic and as i say i think of like putting right things that have gone horribly wrong in the past 
Yes. Which is something, you know, that everybody, I think everyone's got some, maybe not as big as these things, but they've got something where they go, oh, I wish I'd not done that. Yeah, so, I mean, it is escapist and, you know, the, the desert island is is rather like a paradise. But yeah. at the same time, it wouldn't be very interesting as a story if it was just about two guys on holiday. So No, when it started life, it was going to be a longish short story. Yeah. And essentially, that's what it was. Um, and then we decided to expand it because we had quite a lot of characters that we wanted to get to know a bit mm. more. So the wedding party, and as I said, I don't want to give too much away about who's in it because that's quite a big a big moment in the book where you go, oh, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we get to know the wedding party a lot more than initially. And it, it just allowed us, really, to take this nice sort of, like, floofy shoe bun of a book mm. and turn it into a bit more of a... A bit more of a meal, I think. Yeah, and, and also to kind of explore a bit of the island and the people who live on the island. So, yeah. Like the, the family-run bar and yeah. the guy who runs... Like, because it's an island, there's a, very, there's a little airstrip on it that run mm. by an old pilot and mm. all that. You know, so you get, you get this feeling of, of like the local... The community. Place. Like you do when you go on holiday somewhere and you kind of you know, meet, meet the locals. And or I so think well. like you do in our books anyway, because we like to... As readers will know, we like to create like a village maybe... Mm. And you know the, everybody, you get to know the people that live in the village. We certainly do things like the captain and the squire, mm. or even you know the um, the chateau in captain and the cavalry trooper. That it's a community. And what was important to us was that this wasn't just a story about people, you know, going on holiday from England to this beautiful Caribbean island, but where essentially it feels like there's nobody actually living that isn't just an Englander on holiday. Yes. So we wanted to create the idea of this being very much a flourishing and welcoming community. Yeah, and that, Pete, like Guy, who goes out there a lot, and Guy's got family ties out there eventually, it turns out, that Guy's kind of like welcomed as a member of the community just because he's been there for so long. There's In the story, there's a tropical storm and that he gives back to the community because they've given him so much in terms of welcoming him. Mm. Yeah. And it was really important to us that we say, yes, these are the main characters and they don't live here. But this is the island and these are the people that live on the island and this is their island. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. If you go to certain places I can think of where a lot of British people go and all the pubs serve British beer and British food and they're all mm. run by British people. And if if you meet someone who's Spanish, it feels like quite a surprise. So mm. no, it's not it's not that sort of island, is so it's lovely. So it's mm. a lovely you can you can have a lovely virtual holiday by reading that book, I think. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And also, as I say, you know, we've had some look really, really lovely feedback on that book. Mm, definitely. There's one reader in particular who's never <laughs> what mentioned, but who has, you know, really championed it, which is lovely. And, you know, we've heard from other readers who have said that it's spoken to them on quite a personal level for mm. obviously a variety of reasons that we won't be sharing <laughs> on here. But it's really nice to know that because it's nice to know that something you've written it's nice if it, someone just says I, that really entertained me it was a really good read mm. but when someone says to you you know that really made me think about some things that happened in my own life or mm. I could really connect with that because there's things in it that personally I certainly connect with mm. so it's nice to know that what is effectively quite a you know frothy holiday romance has affected some people more deeply which is lovely to know I think definitely absolutely mm. absolutely Bit of and froth. And the nice thing is as well that with it being that nice holiday setting, it's like you 
you know, if, if you do read it and you kind of feel like you can identify with some of those things on quite a deep level, it's still a kind of comfortable way to revisit mm. those feelings. It's a safe way to, yeah, to, exactly. to, to, to get back in touch with them. Yeah. yeah, exactly that. I think so. And that's, um, that's one of the good things about romance, I think, mm. really, that it can have things in it that can be... I mean, I'm not saying in this story, it's not dark, 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 dark. But, no, you know, no, it, no. It's, it could be something that's not necessarily happy all the time. But mm. I think because you're, you know that there's going to be a happy ending, you can visit byways but knowing that there's a happy ending so so you feel like you can do that without feeling like some books where you read it and it's just like one horrible thing after another and it's quite a traumatic read <laughs> this is but yeah i mean obviously this is not going to be that because it's essentially it's a holiday romance exactly so yes i hope people know that anyway that they're not going to get too much trauma by reading my <laughs> books i think exactly exactly so there you go that's that is the captain and the best man yeah it's available in ebook and also paperback. So yeah, so you have go and read it. Options. Go and read it. It's good. Go on, read it. Go, go on. Read it. Captain read Guy it. says thank you. He's grounded <laughs> at the moment, so you know he's here to entertain. <laughs> he's grounded. Fortunately, I believe um, he he was grounded just as he landed at uh, Guadeloupe. So he's on the island with Josh. Um, I'm very they're happy. having a nice time isolating. Gosh, as we yes. term them, and as they yeah. they become known, they became yes. a little couple like the. I can't think of an example now, like Benifer or something. They became, gosh, guy They're a nice little portmanteau name. <laughs> yeah, and it works. We do that quite a lot when we're discussing plots because it's easier to... We don't. We refer to the novels by those portmanteau names in some cases. And gosh is definitely one of those. It just sort of took off. And readers have referred to them as gosh to us as well, which is great. We love it. Yeah, We absolutely, absolutely love that. <laughs> and they would too. They would... Oh, Josh... God, Guy would be all over that. <laughs> I, just, I was just thinking, in between the captain and the best man and the captain and the prime minister, we released the one about uh, the dashing duke, which was a nice little short. It's a very sweet yes, little short. Yes, the dishevelled duke. Yes, the dishevelled duke. What did I call it? Dashing duke. Dashing duke. He's well, not he is dashing. dashing. He's not. <laughs> He's sweet. Um, so the dishevelled duke is a little short story that came out for uh, Valentine's Day. Indeed. Um, and it came out as part of Pride and Totally Bound's A Little Bit Cupid collection. It did. And it's um, an MM story, again, about a couple who... Um, well, the title gives away the twist, so it's not too it much of a twist. It's only a two-hander. Um, <laughs> it's a modern story, contemporary story, um, set in London on Valentine's Day when a young photographer who's come to London to try and make his fortune but sadly has ended up sort of getting chewed up and spat out. Yeah, so poor old Billy had dreams of moving to London and becoming a famous photographer. And all he's had to do is spend his time every hour that he's had spare working as a barista to pay for his rent. Yeah. And his boyfriend's dumped him, he's, surf he's sofa surfing, and he's having to admit, accept that his dream is not coming true and he's going to have to move back home to mum and dad. So oh, Exactly. Um, and one of his biggest sadnesses is because of his change in circumstances, he's not seen, because of his, he's had to change his rotors, etc, etc, he's not seen his favourite customer at the coffee shop, who is Charlie, Charlie, who comes in with his massive dogs, Nigel and Delia, and has <laughs> cups of tea and slices of cake, and has become a sort of like workplace pal yeah. to Billy. But he hasn't been able to see him say goodbye. But luckily, just as he's set, getting ready to go off to the station, who should come to the door of the coffee shop? But Charlie. But Charlie! And Charlie won't let Billy go home 
without having one evening of touristy fun in London. Exactly. So he says, we're going to go off, we're going to have some fun, you're going to be a tourist for your last night in London. Indeed. And I'm going to show you a great time on the London High. And it's a bit of a fairy tale romance, to be honest. And, you know, because you, I'm sure the listeners know that a lot of romances have dukes in them. Mm. But we wanted to do a very sort of Curzon Harkstead duke. Yeah. So he's not, um, he's far from being a sort of like smooth, Mr. I was going to say Mr. Darcy, but he's not really a, that smooth anyway. Is he? Yeah, he, he doesn't yeah. ride around in a town coach with his coat of arms painted on the doors, partly no. because he doesn't live in the early 1800s. No, but, but he's equally not, he's not flash at all. He's very, to the extent that obviously Billy doesn't know that he's a duke. He thinks he's just a rumpled eccentric, yeah. slightly older man. He, he seems to think that he might even live in a shed. He does seem to think that he lives in the shed. Whereas uh, the captain of the best man is very saucy indeed. The disheveled duke is actually not saucy at all. It's a very sweet story. It is. It it's is. a very, very sweet story. And it takes place in probably the space of, what, a couple of hours? Yeah, I think so. The yeah. whole narrative is just a couple of hours. So it's a really quick read. And it's, well, it's it's good. You should definitely go and read that as well. <laughs> you definitely should. You definitely um, should. Um, and Charlie is a favourite character. Man, I love Charlie. <laughs> Oh no! I I had fun with that bit because I was trying. I had to do a lot of research into Valentine's cakes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what a, what a shame! What hard, terrible research that was. Yes, to do. Oh, indeed. Oh, no, but yeah, so that's we have had a lot of releases now, haven't we? Yeah. We really have. Okay, um, we have one last novel to tell you about, and it's another brand new captivating captains, the captain and the squire, and this is the story of a very respectable country gentleman, Tarquin. And Tarquin, on the sly, owns an incredible collection of not vintage erotica, but vintage artifacts. sex toys, artefacts. Um, yeah. So he's got um, things that belong to the Marcus de Sade. He's got Queen Elizabeth I's intimate toys um, and all sorts of beautiful things. And Tarquin lives a rather closeted life with his very overbearing fiance Petunia, until next door, where previously lived a very strange and reclusive and bad-tempered old fellow, there's a new gentleman moves in called Chris. And Chris is the nephew of that strange old fellow, and he inherits everything, provided he can get the Oracle of Delphi, his late uncle's pampered pig, to like him within 30 days. Indeed, and if he doesn't, then... Well, sorry, Chris, you've got to leave the village. But unbeknownst to everybody, particularly Petunia, Tarquin doesn't only have secret artefacts, he has a bit of a secret penchant for gentlemen. Indeed. But being the uh, squire striding about, looking all confident, and he's not that confident deep down, because deep down he starts to develop a crush on Chris. But he can't bear the thought of uh, feeling like that towards him because his the two families have historically never got on. So how can he possibly feel those things for Chris? Oh dear. So it's a very much a rural comedy. It's a contemporary rom-com. And it's very, 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 very sizzlingly hot. It is very saucy indeed. But Steamy. we should say, um, fear not, because no pigs are harmed. Even if it seems there are moments where you fear for the oracle, don't worry about her. She's going to be fine. She's a very smart kind of a pig. She is. So uh, if you like ridiculous, uh, <laughs> over-the-top rural uh, comedy, uh, that's really the book for you. 
I think if you especially if you like a lot of steam on the yeah. side yeah and it is it's it's perfect for summer it's set over spring and summer it's as we say it's very very British lots of silly British humour that you come to expect from us and quite a uniquely probably not but it feels very rural British that he has to get a pig to like him um, and there's also a little other secret which we won't let which we won't share but there's a little secret about an old erotic novel that scandalized britain that plays its part now in the story indeed and there you go it's available in ebook and paperback so there you go you can you can get hold of it right now if you like enjoy it and enjoy the source and our novel our last novel that came out or our last um, mm novel was the captain and the Prime Minister, which is not about Boris Johnson. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's really not. <laughs> so this is a novel um, and it's it's a romantic drama, isn't it? It is, yes. So you've got Captain Tom. He's, he's a young man. Um, he has been in the army, um, but he's decided he left the army and he's now working as a nanny or as people insist on calling him because he's a chap. A Manny, and he's ended up being the Prime Minister's Manny. And of course, when he first took this job on, the press were terribly interested because a male nanny is quite unusual. But he stepped in because the Prime Minister's wife fell ill um, after she'd just had twins. So he's been in the family for a very long time by the time... He's been in the family about four years, four Mm. or five years by the time the novel starts. Yeah, and sadly, um, the Prime Minister's wife uh, passed away quite a way quite a long time before the story starts several Mm. years um and left tom to look after her family and one of whom is alex who is the prime minister Mm. he's very very popular Mm. he's a super popular prime minister basically he's the kind of prime minister that regardless of your political colors we all wish we could have at some point yeah basically he's found having tom there as a friend just invaluable they become best friends essentially Indeed, they do, and it's very, it's very sweet. And there's, so when the when the prime minister comes back to Number Eleven Downing Street after a hard day, standing at prime the ministering, yeah. yes, prime ministering, um, he comes home to uh, Tom, who's put the kids to bed, made him a shepherd's pie, chilled some wine in the fridge, you know. So he's he so he is looking after the prime minister as well mm. as his kids, basically. Mm. He's kind um, of like a, a a spouse in everything but a romantic sense. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And what we wanted to do with this, because Tom has... Well, it's more than a crush. Tom has sort of fallen for Alex over the years. He has, yes. Um, but understandably, he thinks if he finds out about this, he's not going to like it because, you know, he's he's a, a widower, he's straight, mm. and he's not going to want this sort of complication. But is Tom right? Well, clearly not, because it'd be a short book with a very miserable ending if he was. <laughs> I, I um, really fancy you. Well, I'm straight. Oh, well, well, you're going to have to leave because I'm straight and I could, this is too much for me to cope with. Um, but what we wanted to write was um, that as Alex sort of slowly starts to admit his own feelings for Tom, because it is very much a slow burn. It's not a quick, mm. you know, they they don't jump into bed with each other and it's all just like, oh, I fancy you. I fancy you too. Let's go to bed. You know, <laughs> um, that we have to, what we want to do was really examine like, what would that mean? How would mm. one go about not only as the prime minister, but as a prime minister who, if you like the nation, we imagine that the nation kind of when his, his wife was dying, they would have suffered along with him and they would, you know, he's very nice, very liked, that mm. they would have been sad for him. They would have almost grieved with him when she died. 
Mm. Um, so what does it mean for him that essentially how does how do you even go about in that position mm. coming out? It's not just you know you've not just got to tell your family and friends, which yeah. for some people is nerve wracking enough. Mm. You've got to tell the whole country. Yeah, and you've and you've got to deal with your press secretary who wants to. Um, manage you coming out you can't yeah. just do it it's got to be done what was interesting i think was that just as that book was published um somebody in the pro in the very much in the public eye in britain came out as well called philip schofield and he came out he presents a tv program and he actually came out on his tv program mm. which it was interesting seeing that parallel between our book and, and actually that mm. something similar happening in, in reality as well at mm. the same time. And most people were very supportive of him, I think. I mean, there were people, you know, you get the people who are nasty, but overwhelmingly I just saw people being very supportive of him mm. and just saying, good for you. So, mm. so that mm. was nice, I thought. Um, and I spent many years working in politics. Indeed. Um, I worked in, in the Blair years, if anyone remembers them. <laughs> Um, during the Blair years, I worked um, for a number of MPs and saw some things that would make your hair curl. Ooh. Let me tell you, but I won't hear because I don't want to get sued. Um, <laughs> but so I, what we want to do, because I wanted to bring some of the things in that I'd seen, which, you know, the press secretary is certainly anyone that knew that regime will know, I think, who that is. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I think that people might recognise the Chancellor. The Chancellor lives next door. Um, I think people might have an impression as to who that is as well. Yes. But what we want to, we didn't want to write a book about party politics, so we don't go into no. what party Alex represents. No. Yeah, we don't go into any of that stuff because it's not really about that. It's about the people. It's about the relationships. Mm. And it's another book, like the last one we just talked about. It's about moving on. Exactly, exactly. And sort of saying that was those things that happened then are still really important. All those people are really important. But this is where we're at now, you know. And it's really important for Alex in particular. That he, but what we wanted to look at was, you know, how does his, his late wife's parents, how will they react? Well, you know, this is a huge difference. What does this mean for them? Mm -hmm. um, and we wanted to bring in that sort of worry of the grandparents, you know, they, one of them even, she's worried, what does this mean? You know, is this going to impact on me seeing my grandchildren? And just about sort of like how do families move on after such a huge and shattering bereavement? And it doesn't have to be, you know, with somebody of the same gender. Just how do you move on from that huge loss hmm. to allowing yourself to say it's actually OK to fall in love with someone else? It's actually OK. Hmm. I don't have to. I can still love and grieve that first person that I lost. Hmm. But that doesn't mean that I can't love again. And I think in a way it helps that in their relationship, I think it helps the fact that Tom knew, in fact, before he knew Alex, he knew Alex's wife and he was mm. her friend. Mm. And I think that kind of helps in a way that also for the children growing up, they can talk, they can both talk to the children about their mother because mm. they both, they both knew her. Yeah, exactly um, that. So that's quite sweet, actually, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I think so too. Um, and it is, it sounds like there's obviously some quite, you know, heavy themes but it's it's a nice. I think it's a very sort of gentle book, mm. and I think I would say, although it's you know it has its share of heat, it's in a very different sort of way to the to disheveled duke. It's a very sweet book, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think. So. And about, again, it's it's about, it's about second chances. I think. Yeah. yeah. 
and about being yourself and saying, well, you know, the public might expect one thing. It doesn't have to be the public. It can be your family and friends might have mm. one thing they expect of you and one impression. And they might be wrong or like everybody, you know, people move on. You know, I say to people that know me, I am a completely different person to the person I was six years ago, five years ago. Mm. I'm like a different person. Mm. And for me, I don't know, some people might not think so. But from in terms of me personally and my personal development, it I'm in a much better place. You know, I'm much more confident and mm. feel, you know, I don't feel like I have to sort of go, oh, well, mm, is it okay to do that? Is it actually okay to push myself forward? Is it okay to, because yes, it is. You have, you know, we all change. Yes, yes. And it was, yeah. it was a nice story to write. I enjoyed writing that book. Yeah, I did too. In a way, mm. with, with Tom going from being a soldier to a, to a nanny sounds a bit bizarre, but I kind of I drew a little bit on my brother who left the army and he's now got three children and I kind of see him like dealing with his kids. And I, and I do, it does look like some of his army training comes in handy for dealing with the kids. Mm. I think <laughs> so. as well, like, from my perspective, when I worked in Parliament, there was a very, very high-profile member of Parliament Mm. that everybody knew it was kind of an open secret that he was gay but he quote doesn't like to talk about it mm. um and then people i'm sure certain people some people remember he was very publicly outed on the bbc oh, um yeah. yeah there was a fair bit of comment about it but most of it was just kind of like oh okay mm. whereas it was almost i mean i don't know what he thought I, you know i'm certainly not making any comments about his what he thought would happen but I think that in some ways that the whole thing about sometimes it feels like it's such a big thing, not necessarily coming out when, you know, there's all kinds of things where you think that's going to be a huge thing when people find out about that. But in fact, quite often people just go, oh, OK, right. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people go, I'm, I can't say I'm surprised mm. or I thought you already were out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and we want, well, for me anyway, I wanted the th- there to be sort of a theme of kindness as well. So there are, there yeah. are characters in the book who aren't supportive of it and you know there's one in particular who's very vitriolic about it Mm. but I suppose as well there was a bit of a motivation you know the whole it was being written well there was the whole sort of like be kind movement starting Mm. up but it was like kind of being finished then Mm. um which reflected really where we were going with it that it's like you know a a sort of kinder world which I know some people go that's a bit naive but it's you know I think more than ever now people are talking about that about being kinder and yeah, just, you know, not rushing to our keyboards to go, well, that's ridiculous. Yeah, just being a bit more considerate about the world around you and the people around yeah, you. Yeah, and the people yeah. in it. Yeah. And that people in the public eye have deserved to have a private life too. Exactly. And they deserve to, you know, to be able to do something, to live, you know, without sort of brickbats and things being hurled at them. Exactly, exactly. Mm. Indeed, yes. So, so there, there you go. we go. So that's that was uh, our most recent MM releases. Yes, a quick dash through. A quick dash through. There, there are more to come, of course, which I'm sure. But there, yeah, but that's by. what's here at the moment. But, yes, so. but that's, that's what's available at the moment. And Plenty to keep you busy. Indeed, and the Captain and the Prime Minister is available as an ebook and as paperback as well. So, yep. you have choices. Out of the inkwell. So coming out of the inkwell at the moment is nothing. 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 Don't fear not, or perhaps celebrate not. <laughs> because the reason it's nothing is because we've been working on sort of flat out on editing um, our 
a future some future releases for you exactly so we've got a lot of books coming out we've got books scheduled right into 2021 mm-hmm. um but we are also on the cusp I like that on the cusp of opening a new inkwell and yes. we're going to be trying something that we haven't tried before just to see how it works we're going to be taking ourselves off to 1950s hollywood indeed and just having a bit of a play really so you may or may not ever see it but i think there certainly whenever we do any sandbox you end up seeing elements of it you do oh you do you do and we were also currently we've got some ideas for the next captain not well next but one but two but three (laughs) for the next captain novel that we'll be writing as opposed to the next one that's coming out indeed indeed so there you go there you go Who's putting the fizz in your gin this week, Catherine? Well, I think that putting the fizz in my gin this week, and I know he's going to be listening to this, is my very good friend, Rob. Oh, oh Rob, and the yes, reason lovely is, Rob. Yeah, lovely Rob. Um, the reason is that we have been, while we've been locked in our respective homes, oh dear. we've been watching a lot of TV, sort of co-watching and messaging and lots of just chat back and forth and lots of silliness and lots of exchanging mm. of the top 10 people you'd want to be quarantined with and things like that. So just because, you know, I've known Rob for ages now, more than half my life, and he's hugely supportive and just a lovely friend. So, Rob, you are listening. Go and have a gin on me. Or don't go and have it. Just have it in your in your own home whilst maintaining the social distancing regulations. Absolutely. What about you, Eleanor? Who's frizzing up your gin? Louis Theroux. Oh, because um, we were trying to find something to watch on the telly and um, found on iPlayer just huge numbers of Louis Theroux documentaries. So mm-hmm. we like we ended up watching some and they're actually the, these like weird weekends ones. They're really mm. old now. They're like yeah, 22 they they're years very old. Very old. He looks the same. Um, <laughs> but um, um, we were watching ones like the ones about um, like uh, UFO um, yeah, people and, and things like that, and it was just—it's just—they're just, they're just fun, and I—and I quite like the way that. I mean, he is half American, isn't he? His dad was American, mm. but the way he kind of like gets beamed down into strange little corners of America and meets mm. unusual people. So yeah, they've—they've been—they've been fun to watch. So yeah, let me through. There you go. So that's that. That's us. So stay take safe. care, everybody. Stay safe, as they say. Um, enjoy the sunshine if it's sunshining where you are. If it isn't, enjoy whatever it is doing where you are. Enjoy me. Yes. And uh, why don't you go off and read perhaps some books written by Curzon Harkstein? Oh, we should mention, while all of this is going on, The Captain and the Cricketer is free. Um, if you go onto the Pride website, um, you can you can get hold of it for free from there. So Free. 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 A free novel. A whole We're free giving novel. away stuff free. We're going crazy. It's cra- wacky, inflatable, arm waving tube man. Free novels. Free, free, free. Yeah. So go and read it now. I'm coming around there knocking on your door. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye! Find out more at our website, curzonharksdid.co.uk and thank you, purple-planet.com, for the music. <laughs>